everyone. Welcome to the Career Happiness Podcast. My name's Soma. I am a careers advisor and the career happiness mentor. During this podcast, we are going to be looking at what it takes to be career happy. We're going to be exploring what it's like to have your version of career happiness and speaking to some really, really awesome women who are defining and creating their own portfolio careers and their version of career happiness. So please sit back, enjoy and soak up all the wisdom that's coming your way. Hello everybody, welcome to episode 18 of the Career Happiness Podcast. So in today's episode, I'm going to talk with the amazing Natalie Costa. And I really wanted you guys to um, have a guest who has transitioned from her career to starting a business in a way where I feel that her career is one of those ones that I come across um, because she was a teacher where people do feel a lot of stress, they feel a lot of anxiety, a lot of overwhelm. A lot of the common traits that a lot of women that come to me feel, I myself have felt this way. But um, I really love Natalie's business because of the work she does with children. And I honestly believe as someone who's an advocate for mental health, but also someone who's really, really passionate about helping people, um, you know, overcome um, stress and anxiety, that a lot of the time those feelings, those thoughts start from our childhood. And um, Natalie helps people, um, especially children, um, with mindful techniques. And you'll find out a bit more about her business um, in the interview. But for me, um, there is this sort of common pattern amongst teachers and lawyers feeling stressed, feeling overwhelmed. And it's not just in those sorts of professions, it's in banking, it's in all sorts of professions. And I know that for all of you who are listening, whatever career that you're currently in and you're hoping to be in or whether you're thinking about starting a business or going freelance, stress is like a big thing for you and burnout is a big thing. And I've already done an episode about burnout. So if you haven't listened to that, please go back and listen to it. But um, Natalie just shares some really great tips around how you can transition and start your own business and she is just somebody that I love seeing her posts on Instagram because she's just a positive burst of inspiration and you learn so much from her. So I really, really hope that you enjoy this episode and if you haven't already subscribed to this podcast on whatever platform you listen to, please do so. Um, also, I would really, really appreciate for those of you who actively listen, if you could just leave me a review on Apple Podcasts because it just helps the podcast go up a little bit further on the charts and more people know especially because career happiness is a topic that I know is very very prominent um, amongst so many people so I really hope that you enjoy this and um, I'll pass you along to Natalie. So hello everybody I have a wonderful guest with me here today a very dear friend of mine hi Natalie how are you doing? Hello, my love. Very, very well in you. So lovely to finally do this with you. So thank you. (laughs) No, thank you for coming on. I really, really appreciate it. It's just great to have you here. So obviously you and me have known each other for a while and 
and I know all the like amazing things that you do in your business and I know your background but one of the things I really see a pattern of uh, with the women I speak to is a lot of women from education come to me and they feel very frustrated they feel very very overwhelmed <laughs> you're nodding your head um, but I wanted to sort of ask you um, what drove you to be a teacher and can you tell us a little bit more about why you felt this was initially something you wanted to do mm, right so <laughs> um I yeah it's difficult I never really knew what I wanted to do after school hmm. uh, I had a I had a love for personal development um I loved art I did two art subjects up to a level um but I had no idea what I wanted to do and coming from a very I suppose traditional background my parents were quite not strict but it was expected that I go to university and that was kind of what you did in South Africa you get you know like follow that typical route of school mm. university get a job um, so I remember my mum sent me to an educational psychologist and I did tests EQ IQ I don't know all sorts of tests aptitude <laughs> tests and I got this list of five things that were going to be relevant for me and I remember looking at them thinking nursing was on there teaching was on there um psychology was on there a psychologist was on there um and I think there were graphic design and something else but um looking at the I really so psychology was my first calling oh. but it wasn't a guaranteed route to a job initially it was mm -hmm. so um and because I loved art <laughs> I remember thinking, well, if I do teaching and I teach the little kids, yeah. um, a lot of art activities, so I could kill, you know, kill two birds with one stone. <laughs> Nevertheless, to say, as a teacher, I used to despise teaching art because having 30 mm. children was not fun. <laughs> but I didn't know that then. So um, <clears throat> I initially, I think I did, I went ahead with teaching. I didn't love it at university, I'll be honest with you. I knew that there was something more that I wanted to do. I loved working with children, but I didn't see myself as being a teacher. Um, but to play it safe, I finished my teaching qualification and then I did my honors, I did my psychology degree in the evenings. And the intention was after my five years of studying my teaching and doing my honours in psychology to um, come to the UK, teach for two years and then go back to South Africa and do educational psychology. But that never happened because I fell in love with um, life overseas. As a little girl, we often used to travel overseas. So um, I always, I loved like the European culture and like just being overseas, I suppose, was the thing for me. Um, and so I found myself obviously being quite happy in London, but not loving teaching. Yeah, um, yeah. I think more so to do, I think with the, I mean, as a teacher, there's the, the workload is, there's a phenomenal amount of workload and it's um, as there is in all jobs, but I think that, you know, the targets, the curriculum that was consistently changing, um, the pressures from inspections and all of those things, that it almost felt like all of the fun of teaching was sucked out of it mm. because of all the boxes we had to tick. Um, and so there was always something else that I wanted to do and, and but still working with children. And it's funny because I, I always used to say I love teaching, but I want to teach 
what I'm passionate about and I'm passionate about personal development, how the mind works. Um, so it's funny how I'm doing that now, <laughs> but back then I didn't have a clue as to how I was ever yeah. going to make that a reality. Um, but I think, you know, a lot of teachers, I think do feel frustrated mm -hmm. because of all of the restrictions and the boundaries that are in place in the workload and, I'll be honest, the pay doesn't reflect the workload. I think teachers mm -hmm. are so key within our system and really need to be, to be valued a lot more when it comes to, you know, to pay and yeah. things like that. Um, yeah, so I can, I can understand the frustrations, definitely. Yeah. But I, and I think for me, what drew me to teaching, though, is I think I naturally am quite good at breaking things down for people to understand. Um, and I'm quite... Well, when I'm not stressed out, I'm quite playful <laughs> by nature. So like the inner, you know, the inner seven-year-old has never left Natalie. She's always still there, you know, yeah, yeah. a little bit funny. And I mean, that's the fun factor when I work with children. It's, yeah. it's, um, and there's nothing better than when, you know, you can see a child has learned something mm -hmm. and they get it, that light bulb goes off. Um, and I guess that's, that's what, you know, what I love about working with them, that they're, open to taking so much in versus mm. you know me at 37 that well we're not 37 yet my goodness a few months ago <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know trying to unlearn some of those things so yeah, yeah and I, I mean it's very interesting what you were saying there about the the pay and the number of hours because obviously I grew up with a primary school teacher um and I remember having a conversation with my mum and her saying to me that she noticed before she sort of left her primary school job to pursue other avenues of teaching, um, the stress and the amount of overwhelm. I mean, one of the things that I'm noticing, Natalie, when I'm talking to people, especially people who used to be teachers and, you know, as a previous teacher, you know, are you surprised by the number of teachers leaving the profession? Because I recently read an article and it was indicated that a third of teachers are leaving the profession within the first five years. And do you think there's a specific reason um, for this? And why do you think it's continuing to almost like increase? Because I'm always reading something about it. Mm, I definitely think it's the, um, the pressure, the, 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 the workload. And by all means, I think every job has a massive mm. amount of workload. Um, but I think it's, sometimes it's the unattainable targets yeah. um, and not enough time or resources, not enough funding to, mm. to, to help cope with that. And sometimes I think, and I can only speak from my own experience, whilst I was quite lucky in some schools, you know, other schools, it would be, there'd be a lot of pressure um, and perhaps not having leaders in place that always are that understanding and compassionate um, I'm not saying that that's the case in all schools. Absolutely not, because I work in amazing schools. But um, I remember even when I was a teacher reading something similar that at the Borough of Westminster was losing certain amount of teachers. Mm -hmm. And um, I think definitely in London, like cost of living is expensive in London and mm -hmm. the pay doesn't reflect, you know, so you move out of London and in that sense, yeah. losing teachers in that sense as well. Um, but I'd say a big thing is the, the boxes that need to be ticked, um, the paperwork, you know, dot the I's, cross the T's, <laughs> all of that is a lot, a lot on top of then 
wanting to actually teach and do the job that you wanted to do in the first place. Um, yeah. I think, yeah. So it's, it's a, I think it's a whole combination of that really. Yeah, no, no. I mean, yeah. just to also add, I think one of the things as well, which I think can again go for many other professions, but as a teacher, there was always that joke of your job is never done. Your list is never <laughs> done. If your list is done, then there's something wrong because there's always something to do in the classroom when it comes to displays and assessment marking and you know it's and then yeah so there's always something to do (laughs) and your job goes home with you you know it's not like you could leave things in the classroom because you know realistically getting through if there's 30 children in a class and you're teaching six subjects a day do the math of marking the books it's it's you know it doesn't stop so yeah mm-hmm. and that's, it's, it's, it's interesting you said that because I have a friend who's still in the teaching profession and she always says that she says that when you know even when it's like half term or it's Easter she still has to go in and prep the classroom and she still has to do those sorts of things and you know it, it kind of I feel that when I was working in schools I used to notice the stress that mm. teachers were constantly going through and it was just like an it was like an ongoing thing all the time so yeah thank you for sharing that because I think there are a lot of people not just necessarily teachers but other people within the education industry who feel that same amount of pressure other career like careers advisors educational psychologists whatever you know field it is they're feeling that pressure and that overwhelm to the to to meet those targets which a lot of the time are not very um, productive or helpful to the actual development of a child, right? Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes I just think a little bit, um, I don't want to say unattainable, but it's, they, they are very difficult to reach. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, and a big part of that is not having the funding to help yep. meet those targets. So it's, you know, yeah, that makes a big difference as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, thanks for sharing that um one of the other things that I really really wanted to sort of ask you because obviously you know you were a teacher but in a way you've had quite a, a broad career in in one sense and you've also had a career as a, a personal trainer uh so I just wanted to ask kind of where did this stem from and do you feel it's helped you before you started um power thoughts which we'll talk about a bit later obviously yeah, no. So, um, whilst, so I was obviously teaching here in the UK and I was looking for, I just inside, there was a little small voice that says mm. there's something else you're meant to be doing. Mm. Um, and I, I fell into, well, I didn't fall into fitness. That sounds a bit strange, but, um, I went along to, with a friend to some classes and I really kind of got the exercise bug, I should say in that <laughs> sense classes were fun and different and I loved the instructors um and it was something that I really enjoyed I was probably very annoying then as well to all my friends because that's all I spoke about um <laughs> looking back now um and so I initially then you know when I was serious about making a change from teaching I was like well what else could I explore what could I do I really enjoy fitness it's still teaching but it's a different you know it, it's different to the teaching I do at the moment so I went ahead and I did my um, kids fitness level two, I think with the YMCA. <laughs> um, and then 
that didn't really help, you know, satisfy me. And then I went on and I got my exercise to music. So I wasn't a personal trainer. I was a group exercise instructor. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. So I, um, it was called exercise to music. So oh, I got wow. that and then would start teaching classes, um, at gym box actually in London. So it was like spinning and body pump and something oh. called fight club, which is super, super fun. So I'm just giving them a little shout out because <laughs> if you have it, it's absolutely so much fun. Um, but I remember sitting on a spin bike in a, in a spinning session. It was a Monday night in Westfields. And the instructor, she was super enthusiastic, like goosebumps with music. And like the whole class was obviously the endorphins were going like wild. And I remember thinking to myself, I'd love to do what she's doing, but I'm just a teacher. I'm a year one teacher. That's what I thought. Um, and that was before I really was aware of like limiting beliefs and I just thought I wasn't, and the, I think the story that I was feeling and telling myself was that I'm not confident enough to do that. Mm. But um, then through different conversations and fast forward, I then decided to pluck up the courage to get to do the exercise to music um, qualification. And that really did help me in terms of building my confidence. Because I always had this idea that I could speak in front of children, but I couldn't do this in front of adults. Yeah. Um, yet I really wanted to, but I was way too scared. So the exercise to music was a fantastic way to kind of push me out of my comfort zone and really apply these tools of the coaching world of, you know, not, um, you know, so I remember thinking there was one instructor that was amazing doing the exercises that she was. So I would go into the class that I was about to teach and I'd pretend to be like her for those 45 minutes <laughs> um, in the sense of how does she walk into the room? What does she say? How does she interact with the people? Yeah. Um, I mean, I really broke it down with that because I was petrified. I was petrified, but I found obviously the more I did it, the, the better I became. And actually I really started to enjoy it. And people started to say, you know, that they, you know, I received compliments, not, I mean, I think it just helped in the sense of, okay, I'm actually doing this and I'm, yeah. I'm making a difference, you know, I'm making mm -hmm. a difference. Um, and that massively helped me change my perception around myself that I wasn't just a teacher. And who was I to say that? Like mm -hmm. what a horrible thing to say to myself because I am sorry, hats off to any teacher and like the amount of stuff you've got to do, you know, and juggle the balls and multitask and still deliver a message and teach. Um, but it gave me the confidence I needed and it proved to me that I could mm. do something different. Yeah. That just because I was on this path and from school to university to now in the classroom doesn't mean that that is the path I need to be on. I can do something else and I can be really good at it as well if I put yeah. my mind yeah. So, and I always go back to that, you know, um, that if it wasn't for that, I probably wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now, having the courage to step out and do my own mm -hmm. thing. Um, yeah, but it, it took a lot of blood, sweat and tears, maybe more sweat and tears than blood. But there was <laughs> no, but you know what, listening to that, I really, really loved hearing that because I don't know much of that element of your your life because I've never asked you so um you know I know it's going to really really help the listeners as well because I, I've just actually prepared a post for Instagram actually about the fact that we can um create our own careers and we can do it in a way that aligns with our values to help mm -hmm. us be who we want to and I think what you're talking about there is the fact that you know, in order for you to understand fully what you want, you need to experiment a bit. You need to do different things. You need to show different sides of your personality, Natalie. Yeah. So when I was 
hearing you speak about it, I was a bit mesmerized to be honest because I was thinking, this is it. This is what I say to my clients that you kind of do have to test drive things a little bit it's before you can kind of decide. So thank you for sharing that because I know that a lot of people who say, oh, I can't go and do that before I do what I want to do it will hopefully give them some encouragement to think actually maybe I can so yeah that's, that's great yeah. to do oh yeah play with it experiment <laughs> definitely 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 and I mean I don't remember I don't quite know what the expression is but you never like it it always makes sense when you look back at the dots that join but it yeah. never makes sense at the moment why you're doing something but mm-hmm. if I look back those skills teaching me has taught me that I can deliver a message mm. to, first of all, a much larger audience and that you're able to still break things down and just gives you that sense of confidence and self-belief. Above yes. all else, I think it's a confidence and a self-belief. Yeah, no, definitely. With, with, and confidence is one of the biggest things that a lot of the women who come to me with really, really struggle with. And I think they need that self-belief that they can do something different yeah. compared to maybe their conventional careers. So yeah, exactly. Um, I, I really, really love that. So um, it'd be great. I've, I've obviously mentioned your wonderful business, Power Thoughts, but it'd be great if you could tell um, the listeners a little bit more about your business and also like where your passion from mindfulness kind of stemmed from Mm. so um yeah power thoughts is a teaching coaching and mindfulness service that helps children literally tap into the power of their thoughts helping them to recognize that they don't have to believe every thought that they think or respond to everything that they feel Mm. um and ultimately giving them the tools to help them manage their mindset in a way so that they're feeling calmer happier more resilient um yeah and happier within themselves and um it came about when i so on my journey of obviously doing my group exercise instructor i was then at a crossroads because i realized something needs to change so either i now pursue and do my level three to become a personal trainer um but about that same time i was hitting that crossroad the school i was with as a full-time teacher said that they had um, a coaching course to send me on and was i interested so i went along and absolutely loved it it was like when life coaching was kind of new to the UK scene so the word life coach made me feel a bit like oh what on earth is that um (laughs) but I love the concepts and the strategies and like how it was taught and it felt you know it it linked me under the the umbrella of psychology but it was more around helping people move forward versus therapy or counseling that's obviously deeper um so then I decided, I remember thinking the, the, the cost to train to become a coach and the cost to become a personal trainer was quite similar. So I eventually decided to go ahead and train as a coach with a coaching academy. And um, initially, I wanted to obviously still leave education and um, start a business helping women make career changes because everybody tells you to niche down. So I was like, well, what do I niche down into? So that was the first kind of idea that I had about helping women make career changes. So whilst I was still teaching full time, I started to work with, um, I mean, I'm fast forwarding now after I was qualified, but I... um, started to work with some clients in the evening and over the weekends, um, but still teaching at school full time. And it was at school that I was then told you have to teach an after school club. 
So I tried to like wing it and I got away with it for about a couple of terms, but then I was told that you really have to teach them after school clubs. It's like, okay, fine. So I'm like, well, let's just call it mindfulness and I'll give them coloring in to do. And then I'll mark books. That's what we'll do. (laughs) But um, it was actually during these sessions that I started to teach the children the tools that I was using with my adult clients because it was around about the time just before the exam. So I was teaching them about their brain and stress. And um, I think I just come off a stress, a stress CPD day with, um, with the coaching school. So, um, and the kids loved it. And I was surprised because I was like, I didn't think they'd get it. Cause I was like, I don't know if they're going to get this, but let me try. And then I started getting emails from parents and a mum stopped me in the street saying, whatever you're doing, you need to carry on. And that really planted the seed that, we actually don't teach our children about their thoughts. We teach them how to think, how to problem solve, um, but we don't teach them about their thoughts and that you don't have to believe everything you think. Just because I think it doesn't make it real, doesn't make me have to believe it. So that, in essence, is how Power Thoughts was born. So um, it's more coaching tools than mindfulness. Um, I don't call myself a mindfulness teacher because I, you know, I, it's... um, Whilst there's elements of mindfulness in it, it's more about the, the coaching tools. So either coaching children or when they're quite young, teaching them these in a fun, accessible way um, on how they can start to manage their thoughts and their feelings and, and just understanding what's happening in our mind when it comes to emotions and mental well-being in that sense. Um, yeah, so that's how, how it came about, I guess. <laughs> it's really really interesting I mean I think one of the things that I'm noticing about when I well I I try not to watch the news too much but whenever I'm watching programs about psychology an area that I'm very interested in as well um there is a lot of stuff in the press now that you know mindfulness is really really helping in fact I saw an article the other day something about the fact that mindfulness could be the thing that can help um, young people especially children to mm. um, open up and have more positive thinking and there's so much like positive psychology and all this stuff out nowadays I mean do you think it's almost like I don't want to say that it's like a, a hip word but why do you think more than ever people are doing more mindfulness and meditation and these sorts of things nowadays yeah I think we're waking up as the society as a whole I think um we're recognizing the benefits of all of these sort of practices and traditions. I mean, they date back to thousands and thousands Mm. of years ago. Um, Prayer is seen as a form of mindfulness, you know? So I think sometimes mindfulness initially for my, for my experience was seen as like, Oh no, you know, for it, it's, it goes against my religious beliefs, my cultural beliefs or things like that. Whereas actually now if we dive more into it, it's, it's been around for centuries in all sorts of different religious capacities in one way or another, whether it is listening to, you know, focusing on your breathing or prayer or meditation, whatever it is. But I think we're, rec- we're beginning to recognize the, the benefits that this is having on our health and our well-being. We are waking up that we want to be healthy. We want to feel strong. We, we, um, yeah, we want to, we want to feel good. Um, and it was, you know, I think as adults, we're always delving into how can we, de- you know, life is stressful. So there's yoga, there is exercise, there's all sorts of things. But now we're recognizing the importance of 
looking after our mind as well. Yeah. Our yeah. mind is part of our health and our body. Um, so yeah, I definitely do think it's, it's just getting bigger and bigger in that sense at the moment as more and more people are realizing the importance and the benefit of this because the whole glorification of I'm busy, I'm busy, go, 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 hustle, 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 <laughs> hard, hard, hard. It, it's kind of losing the shine because we're burning out. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's, we need to look after ourselves and mm. mental and emotional well-being is part of that. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. I definitely agree. I mean, I think stress is one of the biggest things that a lot of my clients come to me with. Yeah. Um, well, it's one of the biggest killers, isn't yeah. it? All diseases, so many diseases are linked to stress um, and mindset and the stress, mm-hmm. you know, the stories we tell ourselves about whatever is stressing us out um, yeah. and maybe not being able to deal with it in a way that is, you know, makes us feel good or in the best way. So I think having these tools, people are starting to realize the, the benefits of them um, because they've been around for years and years and years and years. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. no definitely I can I, I can I can see what you're saying there and I think it's about that education around people understanding like you have so many like meditation apps and um, you know people are always writing articles about mindfulness and how it's changing mm-hmm. things and and almost like in a way I would say in a bracket like I wouldn't say new age medicine but there's all these new age things that are coming along like yoga is just so hip right now isn't it so it all sort of ties in um but um it's interesting hearing your perspective on it um one of the things I really really wanted to ask you Natalie is um obviously career happiness and career unhappiness is very dear to my heart because I help so many of my clients um to understand that career happiness can be achievable but and you know that you know I know that you've experienced it yourself but sort of what words or advice of, or wisdom would you give to anyone who's listening to this right now who is really struggling, really? Yeah, I would say um, baby steps. <laughs> baby steps. Um, I mean, that works for some. That doesn't work for others. Other people prefer to. Some people are really good at, like, taking the leap into um, into making a change, you know, quitting the job and starting their, their business on the side. Um, but I'd also say first before baby steps is explore. If you have no idea, explore, be playful, be curious. Don't worry so much about what's the right choice. Rather think, oh, well, what's the right decision right now for me? Because it can change. Things, you can pivot and change. And I think one of the, the, the wonderful things is now more and more people are, have different jobs or different careers, or different roles within their lifespan versus say when, you know, our parents' generation who have one job or one career. Um, and also don't undervalue your skills because I think whatever capacity you're working in, you've got many transferable skills. It's yes. just called a different name in a different field. And it just takes a bit of work to figure out how to word it properly. But I think there are so many transferable skills that any posi- anyone in a position has that can be used in another field. But I think first of all, this is to get, just to get curious about what interests you, what, what mm. would, you know, what, what do you enjoy? What are you passionate about? Um, yeah and then try it out and definitely i think try it out maybe as a side hustle first mm-hmm. um and i think like one of the excuses i hear a lot of people say and i mean i thought it too is 
oh, but I'm too, too old. Or by the time I get there, I'm going to be say, I don't know, 54, but you're going to get, you're going to be 54 in any case. So mm. it's like, you know, it's, it's just, I would say experiment and take baby steps. Once you kind of have an idea of what it is, mm. then it's about taking baby steps, you know, and, and slowly building it up over time, I think. Um, and I mean, one thing that our dear friend Lucy Sheridan says is she's like, just keep showing up, be consistent, be the lighthouse, yeah. like mm-hmm. keep shining your light. Um, mm. Because you never know who's watching you, you know, conversations yeah. you're having, planting those seeds, um, don't watch the seed grow because it doesn't grow any faster. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, and I think as well, just if I could go back, I wish I was a little bit less serious because I take, I do take things yeah. very seriously. Um, yeah. And like, just chill out. Like, have fun with it. <laughs> no, you don't, you don't have to get your A star in everything. It's like, yeah. just give it a yeah. go. It doesn't have to be perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think just trying things and taking the time to try, even if you take a year and you just try different things to see what, mm. what you know, kind of, without sounding too cheesy, lights you up. No, 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 no that, that makes complete sense to yeah. me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and, um, yeah. And I think yeah, a lot so, of people have this inner perfectionist, sorry, they have a, this inner yeah. perfectionist where they're not willing to let go of things, right? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I did. I mean, I think the amount of agony I gave myself because things just weren't not right. Mm. Um, who cares? I can't even remember what they were, but I know I gave myself such a hard time. You know what I mean? And maybe that came from years of teaching when, you know, Ofsted comes and your lessons have to be outstanding. But it's yeah. like, well, what the hell is outstanding in any case? You know, it could be different, different benchmarks for you than for me. So it's... Um, yeah. I think just be playful and have fun and try things. The main thing is try things out. Yeah, no, um, definitely. You know, don't think about it. Go try it, you know, and, and see, is this something that you could do? Is this something that you could grow into? Hmm. Um, and be patient with yourself. Be kind. Yeah, it's, it's uh, I wasn't very kind to myself, so be kind to yourself. I am now, but I was definitely not. <laughs> I, I, I say both of those things to my clients quite a lot, that, be patient and be kind because I remember when I was really like start before I even started my business, it took me a while to create this business because yeah. in a way I had a practice business before, which didn't really um, work out the way I wanted it to. And then it took me another two years to realize, okay, that's not the business I want. I want this business. And I think we have to test drive those things because if we don't test drive and learn from our mistakes and fail a little bit, but not fail like that, fail almost to succeed even further, then how are we going to know what we really want? No, I mean, that's a key thing that I teach is um, helping children to recognize that mistakes are cool because mm-hmm. it's only through your mistakes and your so-called failures that you learn what you need to learn to move yeah. to the next level. Um, and if you're not making those mistakes or failures, then you're not probably not stretching yourself enough. Nice. And the other thing also is, and I just know because I felt like this, and this is something that I really struggled with when I was teaching and I knew what I wanted to do. So I was, I was taking the steps, but it felt long and it was impatient is to start looking at the job that I didn't want to be grateful for that because I'd often find myself going into work with this negative energy of, I don't want to be here. There'd be so much more things I could do, but then I'm supposed to be all coaching and this positivity after hours. Like how does that work? Yeah. So it's, 
it was a case of being thankful for the job that I had. And I think, again, Lucy and them call it the bridge job. Um, and I'm sure I heard it somewhere else, but this is allowing me to do what I want to do. So it's get, allowing me to get to where I get to, um, where I want to get to. So I think shifting that perspective really helped me to just feel better and lighter about it, you know, versus it being like, difficult and a slog and a struggle yeah no 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 no, no. But what you're what you're saying there is really interesting because I remember when I read big magic Elizabeth Gilbert says something yeah. similar in her book doesn't she about how yeah. when you do want to be creative or do something creatively you still kind of need to have a day job if you've not got the steady income yet and you kind of need to find your footing yeah. so I think a lot of people who listen to this you know they may want to have a portfolio career or go freelance but they do need that safety net they can't yeah. just they can't just go for it straight away you know yeah. they need to take yeah. Baby. yeah and in that sense have a plan as well yeah, have um, a plan, yeah. But like I said you know some people are some people need to quit the day job and yeah. go straight into of it course, yeah. their, their motivation me that would totally freak me out that would just <laughs> not happen <laughs> I'd be completely frozen so it was a case for me of tailoring down my days. I think initially I went from five days to three days and then to two days. And then it was, okay, that's it. Take the jump. Hmm. Um, so if you're able, you know, you've just got to find what works for you. And yeah, I think just, you know, take those little steps every yeah. day. Just hmm. one little thing. So if it's sending that one email, if it's doing that, <laughs> research to see what are the things I'm interested in but every one little step leads to the big steps together yeah Um, yeah. that's that's amazing thank you so much for your time today Natalie it's been so great chatting with you and just just hearing all you know your wonderful wisdom I, I always love kind of hearing what you have to say because I learn a lot as well and I'm sure everyone who'll listen today will get so much value thank you so much Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure to speak with you. And yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. It's gone really fast. So thank you. I could talk to you for hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it has, it has gone really, really fast. But thank you everybody for listening. And um, yeah, um, I appreciate you doing this. Uh, I'll speak to you soon. Bye. Speak to you soon. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If you want more valuable content around your career and how you can be career happy, why not sign up to the Career Happiness Newsletter? All the details are in the show notes. And I'd really appreciate it if you could support the podcast by subscribing to it. Thanks again.